Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? Then you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the mat with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Welcome to episode 77. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas, and today we have fourth degree black belt, Marcelo Ribeiro. Marcelo is the owner of RMA Jiu-Jitsu Academy with two locations in Nolensville, Tennessee. He talked about the importance of consistency in everything you do. He also shared about taking risks. And my takeaway from an interview came when he said, any change is challenging, which inspired me to title this episode, If It Doesn't Challenge You, It Won't Change You. Stick around for my final thoughts after the interview when I share with you the wisdom of one of my favorite motivational speakers, the late Jim Rome. I share with you a clip from one of his seminars in the early 80s with valuable information for you who are not only interested but committed to accept changes and new challenges. Stay tuned right after Jiu-Jitsu Tribe's message. Woos. The BJJ Mental Coach Podcast is a proud supporter of the nonprofit organization Jiu-Jitsu Tribe, formerly Live Jiu-Jitsu. Jiu-Jitsu Tribe supports social projects who offer free jiu-jitsu classes to unprivileged children and young adults in impoverished communities, inspiring, impacting, and improving their lives, keeping them away from drugs and crime, creating hope, and creating champions on and off the mats. Your donation helps projects to pay for their monthly expenses and facility makeovers. As a supporter, the BJJ Mental Coach donate all the profit of all online courses and merchandise to Jiu-Jitsu Tribe. For more information, please visit www.jujitsutribe.org. Let me introduce you to today's guest, Marcelo Ribeiro. Marcelo is a fourth-degree black belt and the owner of RMA Jiu-Jitsu in Nolensville, Tennessee. When he's not teaching at one of his two academies, he teaches seminars to various law enforcement, including sheriff departments, police, and SWAT teams. Marcelo is happily married and the proud father of three children, Marcelo, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Gustavo. It's an honor for me to be here, and uh, we are ready to go. Yes, sir. And so tell us, how did jiu-jitsu show up in your life? Man, um, I feel like our generation, basically, I started with judo. When I was a little kid, and uh, schools that I went to, they had judo. Basically, all the schools between 6 and 10, about that time, um, I had judo, and I cannot recall names of the judo instructors back then. It was just a program in a school that I stayed later. And both schools that I stayed for several years, they had a strong niwaza, which is the, the ground part of judo, which is jiu-jitsu, basically. And that was the fun part for me always, you know. And uh, I live, uh, born and live in Copacabana, in Rio de Janeiro. So jiu-jitsu was always something that I heard as a little kid. It was part of, I guess, my, my life. And um, at one point, I start training at the La Riva Jiu-Jitsu Academy with him, with him as instructor back then. And it was very convenient. It was very close to my house. And then two years later, I guess, he moved to totally the other side of Copacabana. And I was just 10 years old or 12, something 
about that time and you know i was just going by myself it was too far for me so my mom took me out and um and that was chris i remember that story because it was christmas time and it's a funny story actually how i met my my actual instructor that gave me my black belt it was christmas time and my grandma asked me hey marcelo do me a favor i went to to the uh, to the saloon like to do her nails and her hair and she gave her she paid with a check but she forgot to sign it so they call her and say uh so she gave me a new check to go over there and it was a second floor of a in a, in a business building in Copacabana and that was the the academy the academies across so the guy came hey I know you and I'm like oh, I don't know you and then we start talking a little bit about it and then he gave me a card and New Year's came and I start training over there and that was stopped so uh, I'm um I got you know I'm a, I got my black belt under Paul Maurice Strauss and that's the that's my lineage right there basically but that's how um I start basically how jujitsu got into my life at a young age, like doing judo and then gradually moved to jujitsu. And how do you feel jujitsu relate to life? So total, how long have you been involved with jujitsu now? Uh, it's hard for me to like, I was just going over this the other day and it's like, I remember I went to a school in Colegio Malas Suarez in Copacabana, which was a private school. And, um, you know, since very young, I was there because my house was right there. And uh, we had judo there. Since I started, I was signed up in judo, which I would stay every day after school for two extra hours doing judo. And they have, so, but I would say, I think I started at Strauss Academy in 1990 or 89 to 90, end of 89 to 1990. That's when I, but I did prior to that two years in De La Riva school, you know, mm -hmm. so, yeah. so it's like. 87, 88, somewhere in there, like jujitsu, jujitsu. But I've been doing judo with uh, focusing on ground a lot. So I don't know, those two judo programs that we have at Malas Suarez and the other one was Centro Educacional da Lagoa, they have judo and both are very focused on ground. So, yeah. So, how do you feel jujitsu relate to life now, this long journey of martial arts? Um, among among several things right that we can relate i think for me the most important thing is consistency um in every aspect of my life i really try to be consistent of what i do and i think i mean that's a common say that i i would say that i do that every day people ask me hey professor what's the best advice you give to me i say man the best advice you give, i can give to you as a new white belt is to see that door over there get through that door as many times as possible and that's how you can learn jiu-jitsu basically you know you can you have other forms of studying jiu-jitsu nowadays that i didn't have in my time such as youtube books dvds and sem yeah. uh, seminars and all that but consistent coming to a, a school that will have a instructor that teach you a class that i think consistency is the best most important thing in, in general right like you know even for me i relate to like to being a good father i like to be present to my kids not only be present in a sense like i'm home and i'm present helping them doing chores helping them uh solve problems with you know their personal lives so like i think consistency is the most important thing one of the most important things among others but i, I really like consistency as a a very important you know aspect of how i relate in jiu-jitsu to life and when did you have the spark to pursue jiu-jitsu at one point you just realized you know what i think i 
I want to pursue this, make a living out of it. Do you remember when it was a time? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was in Brazil, married already with, uh, we had a three-year-old son back then. And um, I was teaching several different places, running crazy. And I had one main gym that I was teaching, but I was teaching also in two or three other different places spread out in Rio, like in Tijuca, Barra da Tijuca, Copacabana, in Leme. But um, in 2006, opportunity, that was opportunity that happened to me to uh, one of my students back then. And, uh, and I liked, uh, I'm going to say this two things a couple times today. Me and my wife, we're still nowadays, of course, as we get older, I think we change perspective in life in general. But I do think like uh, entrepreneurs and people that are successful, you need to take risks and you need to be fearless. You know, of course, when I'm young, I took more risks than I take right now. When I was young, I was more fearless than I am right now. But I feel like in business, in life in general, you have to, for, for anyone to succeed, you have to take risks. You have, you have to be fearless. So we took the risk. Things in the beginning was not as beautiful they are right now was not perfect but we made it through it um so 2006 i was part of a other organization um where i learned a lot about business and um and i'll be forever grateful you know uh for that but however as the this organization grew i felt like a lot changed and um and it was not aligned anymore with my beliefs, especially with jujitsu beliefs. Right? You know, they grew, and which is great for them as a company. That's what they should do, right? But uh, for me, it was not working anymore. So I opened eight schools, total of eight schools under that flag, under that uh, organization. And um, in 2016, uh, we, I say we, because me and my wife, and I think this is a big part of my life, having somebody alongside me, always supporting me, always giving me extra push, always there for me when I need it, uh, would decide to part ways from that franchise and uh, follow our values and vision and open uh, our major jitsu academy. You know, that's, that, that's pretty much summarized uh, how that spark came, you know. Yeah, so two things. One, the vision's not being aligned. I think this is important to have for everyone to have the self-awareness to realize yep. because at this point, um, it's not even about who is right or wrong. It's just different perceptions, different beliefs. So it's not really like you're right, I'm wrong, I'm wrong, you're right. And I feel that, and this is for all the listeners, regardless what kind of business you have, maybe having some type of partnership or maybe not a partnership but you're in a franchise or whatever that is and if you feel that the beliefs are not aligned one when i when i review beliefs i learn to ask myself one question and for the listeners i'd suggest you this if you're in a situation right now that you're like eh, i'm not sure my question to reflect is and i'll ask twice is it okay to be okay with something that you're not okay with it? 
Okay, so let's just let it sink for a little bit. Is it okay to be okay with something? I'm like, man, I don't like this. I'm not okay with it, but I'm going to be okay with it anyways. I tell you what, uh, there's, I see as two scenarios. Sometimes you're in a situation that you're in a job that you don't like. You're not happy. You don't like the values of the company. However, you have to be okay at this point because you have no option you have to, to survive and have to support your family. So it's kind of like, I'm not okay with it, but I hope you have a plan B to eventually get out of the situation to being something that, you, that you, you're okay, you know? Or you're just going to be probably unhappy in doing something that I'm not okay, I'm not in the mood and, and all that. So again, it's not about uh, being right uh, or wrong. And the second thing that you mentioned about, about taking risks and when you're younger, we definitely take uh, think more risks. Sometimes when I look back, when I came to the U.S., I'm like, wow, I had no idea what I was doing. Exactly. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so uh, sometimes I'm like, yeah, that was crazy. But one of my favorite motivational speakers, his name is Jim Rome, And I mentioned a lot of his quotes here. And one of the things that he mentioned is about taking risks and like he said like everything is risky life is risky and and he jokes around life is so risky that at the end of it you're not gonna make it alive you know what i mean you want to hear you, you're gonna it's like that risky you know you're not gonna be here forever you know so uh it's a kind of funny way to look at it but it, it's true and there's no way uh, i mean it's tough to say but of course like you took that risk moving. I always mention as tough as it is sometimes, not sometimes, uh, very often to leave your state that you live for a long time to move to another state. That's hard. Yep. And for anyone has moved, you know, it's not that simple. You're away from your family, friends and everything. And then moving out of the country and talking about different language and so forth and learning different, you know, about the culture is definitely uh, a challenge. So my question is, how did you deal with some of the fears and doubts that popped up, you know, when you decided, okay, we're going, we're going to move to the United States. How was the mindset back then? Um, I think uh, in life too, um, any change is challenging, right? Any, any change is challenging. Um, I feel like, brushing up a little bit what you said before for your listeners you know and um and i say that because you know i i work a lot with ibjf in the past as a referee director and i was in touch with a lot of instructors uh, coaches and you know more than i am right now i guess because i'm still traveling a lot for tournaments and everything with my students but back in the time I was every single weekend traveling all over the country sometimes all over the world to to help ibjf uh I was under the impression, you know, we were under the impression that our school, for example, uh, that a last name on a building of my business, you know, like uh, a franchise name on a business, on a, on a building, uh, on a building of my business, was the most important, was the most valuable thing I have in my, I had in my business, you know, and uh, it took me a couple of years and and like wisdom, I guess, that we get as we get older, and you know be a little bit more business smart to realize that that's not where the students are looking for. 
by far that's not what the students are looking for that's not what they're looking for so and this again to to your listeners i mean if you have people nowadays thinking man i'm under this name i'm under this flag like stop and think a little bit do you really think somebody drive by or go on the internet they just look for that specific name they drive by they see that name in the building they stop their car they walk into you they send emails they say hey i'm calling you because i saw this such or such name they're not like your history in the sport is yours it's nobody else's i mean nobody owns you anything you know you you don't want anything to nobody you 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 are who you are so i really think i mean for us uh I think what is the, the perspective students are looking for, they're looking for a great structure with values, you know, um, a legitimate structure that's recognizable. I mean, in federations and everything, they're looking for a clean gym. They're looking for a convenient location, either close to their home or their, their house. Um, classes to be always on time, a good vibe. And uh, I guess one of the things I learned a lot here in U.S., not that I didn't do in Brazil, but I hear they value a lot the family environment in the gym. So the students are kind of comfortable with their wives coming in, they're bringing their kids. They're not like kind of in a situation that like, ah, I'm not that comfortable with my wife being there, sitting down and a bunch of guys walking in with no shirt and all that, like being tough and all this. So I think that's what the students are looking for. And these are the, these are the things that I feel that, prospective students are looking for and we would tend to hold ourselves to somebody else's name on the building instead of being yours or mine it, it won't change anything but it took me a couple of years to finally pull the plug and uh you know and go on you know and i'm like and and sometimes i regret that i didn't do it earlier you know so again for your listeners if you if that's something that you relate to it think about it you know and um go for it Whatever you're feeling now, what the amount of students you have won't change because you took a name of somebody else's name off of your your building or stick it out the door. That won't change anything. Actually, for as from my own experience, my business grew a lot more having my name on it. And I feel like my students now relate to us on a personal level better than they, they used to when we were under a franchise you know they they used to relate with the franchise a lot and not not too much with us now it's they relate to us because it's our name you know so yeah i feel that a lot of uh, i think a lot of instructors starting to have this kind of realization yep to be honest and i think that's a kind of concept that we bring from brazil kind of like oh the team and then the team is going to really attract people and I have mentioned this in a podcast before, and I already have this view um, for four years ago. And everything that you just said, it's exactly what people are looking for. That's exactly what he said. I mean, in Brazil, I, I mentioned this almost, it may sound like a broken record for people who have listened to all 77 episodes. Sometimes in a, in a conversation, a lot of the topics come back up, but like, in Brazil, maybe you've never seen even a gi or a class, but you, you've heard of jiu-jitsu before. Yep. At least you learn of the word jiu-jitsu. In the United States or other countries, because, you know, I have a lot of listeners from other countries, people still learning about jiu-jitsu. Do you think they know the team, the name of a team? 
or they know what organization they don't know they have no idea they're just going especially nowadays recording this in 2019 people are just going to go to google jiu-jitsu near me what's going to pop up and exactly what he said how is it convenient what's the facility does this person look legit uh, all that, that they're, they're looking for maybe um some people who are traveling and, and and not traveling but like they change states they are they already uh train and they're gonna research and look you up if they already know about jujitsu and then he, he might be looking into the credentials and stuff like that yep. and i'm like oh wow oh wow this guy won this or this and that but that's this the percentage is so small we're gonna do that that it's like it doesn't really make the difference so most people they don't know they just going in i have this conversation all the time with um like i was talking with i mentioned this in an interview and i was talking with uh shaolin yesterday and he was here in episode 17 and he's saying like and he's a three-time world champion people are like man they don't know who i am <laughs> they have no clue who i am you know what i mean they don't know what ibjjf is they're nope. trying to figure out what jiu-jitsu is so i think this is uh very important i think little by little and and here's the thing too Marcelo, because some people, let's be honest, I, something that I mentioned about uh, Gary V has, I learned that from him, is some people have entrepreneurial tendencies, some of them have entrepreneurial DNA. So yep. when you have your DNA, you're going to have to do your own thing, man. You, you're going to yes. have, you got to do it. Now, if you have the tendency, which is a little bit more like, that would be cool if I had this and that, you may need someone to really back you and it might be a better route for you for sure i'm not saying like for example for you or maybe for me it's not valuable to be a part of something like that but i think it is for a lot of people though you know so they just exactly. need to know them they they definitely need to have the self-awareness to know themselves exactly what is the right fit for them i think you need to know where's your place you know what you're looking for um if it's i think a partnership the name says itself needs to be beneficial for both of us I need to benefit, so as you, um, you know, so nowadays I've been by myself since 2016, you know, and I don't, uh, until not a long time ago, um, I didn't feel the need of, uh, partner with anybody, none mm -hmm. of the teams I'm doing my own thing. I have, uh, you know, as every other jujitsu community says, you know, less than 3% of your gym is going to be competitors, you know? So we're not here to serve competitors. We are here to serve the, the, the citizens, the population of your town and teach them a little bit about what we do, which is jujitsu, help them through their struggles in their lives or, you know, make them happier with jujitsu. And, uh, you know, and the guys that like to compete, they're still able to go to any major tournament they want to and still do good. Some do better than others, you know. And uh, back to the partnership, I think that's the most important thing. The partnership needs to be beneficial for bo both parties. And, uh, and uh, uh, recently, I partnered up back. And you said, you might say, like, man, after everything you just said, you, you just go back and say, you partner up. Yeah. But, uh, and again, on top of what I just did right now, just said right now, it's like, I feel at this point, I don't need the name of any team to make me successful, to make my gym uh, more successful, anything like that. But I think it's beneficial for me 
and also benefit them in a way in our relationship. I had a relationship with uh, uh, Master Julio from GF Team a long time. We know each other, you know, not a, I don't know each other from Brazil because he's uh, older than me, of course, but I knew him from Brazil. And uh, and then since I moved to US, you know, we worked together in WGF several times and traveled together. And uh, um, so lately we, we partner and, uh, but nothing changed for my business, you know, nothing changed for his business, just a partnership that's beneficial for both of us. And, um, you know, and, and I think that's what it, it, that's the most important thing. You have to find some, if you need it, or if you feel that's important for your business, you need to find someone that's not aligned with, with your beliefs, with your vision for your business. Otherwise you just going to hit a brick wall. At one point you're going to have to get out, you know? So yeah, I totally agree, and I resonate because I'm still with uh, my team, Novunial and yep. Pedaneras. But uh, it's, it's, it's exactly what it said. We're partners in a way like, hey, there's IBJJF tournament. Sure, my guys compete on the Novunial, but yep. it doesn't really make any difference in my business yep. at all. You know, so it's just uh, I was able – and I – and I realized of like promoting my own name years ago and the same realization that you had and many people had too. And I decided, yeah, I need to promote my own name and we're still in good terms. And I, and I put people to compete, but I mean, in my Academy, everything is jujitsu. You know? Yeah. I think, I think I bring a lot to him in terms of uh, us, like knowledge and business and everything for his team. He brings a lot of, uh, um, guys you know to train and a lot of great competitors that he has out of his camps all over the world so you know like and again has to be beneficial for both parts you know so i bring some to the table he brings some to the table and uh, i think you know we're helping a big cause and then uh, and here we are you know so it's yeah. kind of a the the what, what i feel about a partnership mm -hmm. so what would you say it's one of your toughest entrepreneurial experiences in the united states and what did you learn from it? Running your own business, some of the difficulties that you had, and then, yeah, what did you learn from it? Um, I would say that's going to be probably the biggest tip I can give anyone that's looking now or in the future, you know, to open their academies or anything. I mean, to be very careful with partners, investors, and employees, like instructors that you bring from Brazil, perhaps, you know. Um, be very clear and both parties should know the expectations that each one has, you know, uh, beforehand, you know, before you start the, the relationship. I also have this in, you know, I carry this in my life very strong. I think any relationship has a beginning, has a middle and has an end, any relationship, you know, when you kind of show that in different perspectives like anything will have an end oh but i'm gonna be happily married forever yeah but at one point you're gonna die or your wife's gonna die first and then at that point that relationship is over in business relationship how many i mean basically our sport our culture is based this right you know majority of the community the teams the big teams if you look at them they come from another one so somebody start training there was very successful did very well and then at one point decide to open their own name and their own team. And then here we are, when you go to tournaments, you have several big teams. Otherwise everybody would be Gracie Jiu Jitsu, right? Kind of pretty much. So, you know, I think 
that's important to keep in perspective with business, with especially with our business that a lot of guys move here, don't know too much, and they find partners, investors, or when they started, they bring people from Brazil to teach for them. You know, keep that in mind, you know, like you're going to have a beginning, you're going to have a middle, and most likely you're going to have an end. I hear you loud and clear. <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking, uh, we're talking earlier prior to the, the interview about some of the things that would like to share with entrepreneurs and so forth. And one of the things that you mentioned was sometimes people, not just, I mean, our background with jiu-jitsu, sometimes this can go for um, jiu-jitsu academies, but I mean, that's overall business. And people just sometimes get excited and they'll jump in like, I'm going to open a business. And then they go actually sometimes a little too big up front, not having the proper preparation, business plan, budget, and then get excited and then do something big. So for someone that, I mean, someone's already there, they're already open, it is what it is, but we do have a lot of people in transition that are currently working on something that either they don't like and they're preparing to possibly open up a business or they doing both. They, they, uh, yeah, just doing that side hustle or maybe starting right now. So what would you say for people who are about to get into the, in their entrepreneurial journey about business plans and so forth? So th that's a long topic. Um, but I mean, you need to have a business plan. And then it's funny, we, we, we saying that business plan, like for a lot of people that are listening or they are educated or not in this, but sometimes people, oh, I have a business plan. I'm going to open up a gym. I have mats. I have this. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a spreadsheet in a computer that you can go from month zero to month 60 if you want to do five years uh, a, a business plan, right? Like, for example, in US right here, right now, like if you go, if you don't have the money, I don't have the money, we want to open up a business and we have good credit, we can go together as partners for saying, and get into a private bank and they the first thing they're gonna say okay um you guys are clients with us for that many years we have a history you have good credit gustavo marcelo have a good credit but now i need to see a business plan how much you need it how much that money is going to go into this how much that and then what's your projections with the money that you're taking from us when we're going to start seeing that back we need this much we need this much interest so you have to have all that it's not like you know, say business plan and take it as a beautiful two words together that makes people think you know what you're talking about. Like business plan, it's a, it's a it's a very complex thing. You need to know what you're doing. You need to again, it's a spreadsheet that you put in there from month zero to sixty, and you have everything listed there from a chair that you buy, from the lease, from this, this, and that, all the investment, and then as months go by, based on the amount of students that you have that you're signing up and losing students also all that the spreadsheet will give you numbers. And then that's what a business plan is, which a lot of people don't even know. They're not educated about it. So they will just like say, yeah, I have a business plan and say, what's your business plan? They don't even know what they're talking about. Um, I think another very important thing is have a tight budget and stick with it. Because if you also, let's say not, nobody has unlimited money, but if you always, let's say I need, XYZ to open up a business, but I have XYZ, one, two, three, I have extra. So if you don't put a tight budget, you don't put to limit, you're going to 
keep spending, keep spending until you fulfill all your expectations for whatever you're thinking on doing. So having a tight budget and stick to it, I think it's very important too when you first open up a business. Again, like I said in the beginning, take risks, be fearless. Um, you know, it's it's part of the, the journey. Uh, be very organized with your documents, with your paperwork. Always have everything ready. Somebody asks you, hey, I need this such and such paper when we first open. And you need to have everything organized. Otherwise, you just lose a half of a day of work just looking for a paper that you have somewhere in your house. You know, you need to be very organized. Um, nowadays, you know, to, talking about 2020 almost, if you're not a good guy, a computer guy, which a lot of people are not, you know, I'm not considering myself a very good computer guy at all. But my partner in business, which is my wife, she's very good. So you need, you need to be good on it or you have to have somebody on your side that's really good on like looking over your website, uh, emails, and then social media, marketing. If you don't, if you're not that person, if you don't have somebody very close to you, you might as well go ahead and hire someone to do that for you. And a lot of people in the beginning say, oh, but it's, it's investment that I have to have. Yes, but it's, it's part of the business. Like nowadays, if you don't have a good social media uh, image if you don't have a good marketing plan you're gonna be stuck with people that are looking on google or drive by your business i mean you have to attract leads to your business on a daily basis you know you have to you know at the same time you have to be good at sales i mean this list goes on and on and on but it is basically be very through it you know like to the business and uh you know i think that's um that's the most important thing. And, uh, and one thing that you mentioned there that we talked a little bit in the, uh, before we started the podcast was I also feel like with all my trips that I did when I worked for IBJF and that I still do now for competitions. Um, and of course now looking to social media for a bunch of uh, friends and acquaintance from jujitsu, I feel like a lot of people open big schools because they want to look good. They want to, open a jiu-jitsu school with offer lifting weights, crossfit and other martial arts in there. Like I speak for myself, like the, my first gym was like literally 1200 square feet. Like you barely have a seating for parents and 900, about 900 square feet of mats and, and a small bathroom in the back of the, uh, the store. And I had in there almost 250 members, you know, and I never had a, uh, yoga or taekwondo or any any other martial art. Not that I'm against with uh, against to it. Um, I think it's you know each business each own business owner have to make their decisions and what is best for them. But you know I never felt that I needed. It was just a strict jiu jitsu. I had 250 members on a 1200 square feet store. And then as you grow and then you look for a bigger business, you look for a better space. And then you know I think in general life is that way, right? You normally you start off a small apartment and you, as you move in your life and you end up, you know, on a house that you kind of think that you, you should be. So business, I think is the same. I feel, I see a lot of people open up gyms are too big and then they have a big overhead with that, you know, and that's not good for business, you know? So yeah, that's my well, input on that. Basically respecting the process. The yeah, you have to, you have to. It's a process, and it's uh, it's not an overnight process at all. Yeah. It, it takes time, you know. 
One thing that you mentioned that is uh, super important earlier about, well, knowing your strengths and your weaknesses, right? So you said, you know, maybe I'm not a computer guy. Maybe you're listening right now. We're not. But yeah, find someone who is. So this is very important. Now, something that you mentioned, too, about your wife helping you in relationships, because when you're an entrepreneur, I mean, that's reality, man. This can ruin marriages, period. You know yep. what I mean? Because it's a lot of stress oftentimes handling all the new changes, new bills. And I learned of what people don't know, Gary Vaynerchuk, he's a digital media expert. If you look him up, it's Gary V-E-E at Gary V-E-E. So I, I learned a lot of cool concepts from him. And another one, Ready mentioned one earlier, but uh, one he's talking about the importance of having the self-awareness that he said that he looked into like his wife. He said like, if you're an entrepreneur, uh, and I know that there's uh, women who listen to this too, so like male and female. Saying, but if you're an entrepreneur and you want to look in your partner, uh, there's two things they need to be. Either they are like he does a kind of correlation with American football. Is she either a fullback or a cheerleader? Which means she's either going to be a cheerleader, be like, hey, this is awesome. Great. Yeah, keep doing your thing. Do your shipping. I'm not going to help you to box anything for your products or whatever. But I'm here. I'm, I'm, there's like at least emotional support. I'm there. I do my other things. I got my, my work. Or I have the kids or whatever. Yes, it's going to be a cheerleader. Or she's going to be a fullback like your, your wife, that she clears the way for you to carry the ball and then she's kind of leading with you and being part of the team. And he said that if it's not one or the other, you're going to run into some trouble. You know what I mean? That's right. You're going to run into some trouble because right. it'd be like, we're never here. You're not. It, and it, it's going to be rough. So knowing that balance, it's very important. And that is very true, man. You know, um, I feel like, uh, in my life, um, I speak, and again, I'm speaking for myself. Um, we're from Brazil, both of us, we're from Rio. Uh, and most of our country, I guess, is Catholic, right? Like, um, I'm not like, you know, a, you know, I go to church eventually, you know, but um, I'm a true believer that everything happens for a reason. You know, you get, I call angels, right? You probably had yours, I had mine, and my wife was for sure the biggest one since we moved here to us we had like a lot of angels in our lives that like throughout difficult times in the beginning when we have troubles in the business and it's always somebody like that comes in and put their hand out for you and say hey let me help you somehow i have some expertise or i can lend you money so you pay me with this interest i mean there's a lot of angels in our lives that are put in there for a reason and i really feel like to your point that um, and, and I know a lot of people that, that say, man, you know, love my wife. Great, but we cannot work together. We try, mm -hmm. it doesn't work. And that's, that's fine. You know, like we have, we have businessmen and business women that have their spouse or at home not working because whatever one person makes is enough to fulfill yeah. the whole family. And that's totally fine too. You have marriages that the guy's a businessman and the woman has a, a career of her own and they're both successful that's fine i mean each one have to find it but for us 
it's like our family is immersed in jujitsu, you know, like, um, it's, that's what we do. And, um, our relationship, I'm not going to say it's flowers every day, but I really think our business nowadays, our life, what we conquer after all these years in US, it's based on not agreeing everything. It's important to have someone by your side that doesn't agree with you all the time. You're like, and you step back and say, why is she not agreeing with me? It's, for me, it's so clear. This is the path. And she goes, I don't think and that makes me think, stop and think before I make any decision. I'm like, why is she saying that? And then we talked again the next day. And then either we find a, a middle point between us or either I go with her ideas. We, sometimes we go back to my idea, but you know, I, I really think and that can be a partner. It doesn't have to be your wife. That can be a partner. Okay. That can be investor. That can be a friend, you know, but in my case it works really well. I think, uh, my wife does that really well and she she's very strong in a lot of areas that I'm weak and uh, we complement each other you know and then I think we are where we at right now today because of first of all because of jiu-jitsu which I'm forever grateful that I think it's a it's an amazing martial art you know, all of us enjoy and uh, we try to spread as much as we can but I'm also I also think that has to do with my work ethic and with her being like a lot of students say, Hey professor, how are you doing? And then sometimes we talk about this and he goes, man, it's awesome. You doing your thing of them in the mats and she's in the front of the house taking care of everything else. You know, it's, it's a relationship. It works for us. And like I said, you know, what works for me doesn't work for you, but my may work for some of your listeners. And, and I think that's something to consider and, um, you know, and taking accountability if you, if you're thinking that way, you know, so. For sure. So now what is the one habit, that you practice daily that has helped you in life, jujitsu, professionally, everything? I don't know if that qualifies as a habit, like to the meaning of the word habit, or it's, it's more like a value, you know? Um, and maybe it's not applicable to, to everyone that's listening to us, but uh, be a f I'm a family man, you know, like above all, you know, that's who I am. Um, I try to involve my family in my business, you know, because the business is not mine. The business is ours, right? It's my wife's, it's my three kids, you know? So that's what I do. That's what I think that makes us successful. You know, like, for example, I have throughout my schedule on a, on a regular week, I have some junior coaches that have been training for a long time with us, like yellow belts to help in the little kids class. I have some adults, parents that helps us, but I have a specific class every Monday and Wednesdays from six to seven. Uh, I teach little kids from four to eight. And uh, this Monday, past Monday, I was just, I caught myself in a corner of the gym teaching that class with my older son, João Marcel, and uh, he's 17. And my middle son, Gabriel, he's just turning 12. All three, Teach, I was teaching the class and they're helping me coaching the class, right? So at one point I was coaching two, uh, four kids are around me. John was in the one corner, Gabriel was in the other corner, Matt's, you know, like instructing the kids, make sure everybody's safe, time bells, all that thing. So, but I caught myself looking the big picture in the gym and I look at it. So it was like three of us on the mats teaching a kid's class. We had about roughly 30 kids in the class. Yeah, 20, I think it was 28 that day. And everything was organized, you know, like we'd be training a lot for them to be doing what they do. 
And then in the corner of my eye, like in the front of the gym, my wife was, I guess, selling a membership to someone. It was a, a couple and a kid that I never seen before. So at that moment, I'm like, okay, so we are here teaching the class. She's over there talking to someone about our business, selling what we do. And then the other corner of the gym was my daughter sitting down with a bunch of little girls, siblings of a couple of the boys that are taking class with us. So like in, in our business, I mean, we're there every day, you know? So we we were together on a healthy, on a safe environment, you know, like, doing a sport, you know, which is beneficial for everyone that's in that building. So for me, that's what I feel is, again, that works for me, for my life, for my family. And you're going to have a lot of people there. Yeah, I don't relate that much to this because, you know, whatever reason. But for me, and I feel like to a lot of people, you relate to it. And mm-hmm. and I feel this for us, it's, it's that that sets us apart, you know our gym, it's literally a family place. It's not like you walk in there, you have a structure every day, you, you know, like, which is nothing wrong with that as well. But I mean, it's, we are there day in and day out, you know? So what is the best advice you've ever received in anything that you can think of jujitsu life? Yeah. I mean, if I go deep and think about it, my instructor, Paulo Maurizio Strauss, he, He's a very like uh, down to earth guy. He's very like he's a very special guy, you know. Like I'm truly blessed that I had him as uh, my jiu-jitsu instructor growing up. You know, he helped me a lot. I didn't have a father figure growing up, so he was my father figure, uh, you know. And if I had to choose one, I don't think I'll I'll do him right. I think. We have a saying in Portuguese that's, I mean, it's hard. I mean, if you translate to English, it doesn't sound as good as it sounds in Portuguese. We say, uh, Deus ajuda quem cedo madruga, right? He always said that, you know, like, wake up early, be ready to work, happy for another day in your life, and, and go and do your things, you know? Because sometimes, you know, there's nothing wrong that people that like to wake up late, you know, sometimes you, your job makes you wake up late, but by the time you wake up at 9 or 10, I'm already, ha- I already have done several things. Like this morning, I taught a class from 6.30 to 8. I have a big group in the morning. You know, I have like 22 guys in the mess this morning, adults. And then right after that, I had a private lesson. And right after that, me and my wife had a meeting about the digital marketing. Are we changing a couple of things? And then we also just changed a, a, a company that do our website. So we were on the phone with them, sending videos, pictures. And so, and then I'm here with you. So, you know, like maybe someone just wake up at 10 o'clock and I'm going to start my day. That's totally fine. But by the time that person wakes up, I already had a lot of things done, you know? And again, nothing wrong or right with none of this situation is just, that's something that I always learned from him. And, um, and I try to carry on and it become, it became, I guess, a habit in my life. I wake up early no matter what. So, um, and then I have a funny story about the second one, which is he made me, I grew up listening to this. I mean, be always on time, be on time, be on time. I was just a student, and, you know, and then he asked me to start uh, helping him teaching the kids class when I was a teenage, 14, 15. And then he's like, you need to work out. You need to, you know, he used to live in Ipanema. I used to live in Copacabana and he used to work out at Apuado, which is a, you know, in Ipanema, middle of Ipanema, Copacabana beach. And, uh, you know, it's not like a, a, a lifting weight gym. It's more like pull-ups, push-ups. They have some weights, but everything, like, 
no more like um not like you go in the gym and you you know and he goes okay so i just i was used to go to the gym to have a class in the morning uh i think it was 7 30 or 8 i think it was 8 and uh you know he was always there i guess and i was always on time to the class and maybe a little bit late or just walk in and bow and do my class but he said hey marcelo so you meet me tomorrow uh at 6 30 at beach right there on the corner right on top of the rocks and we're gonna work out there i'm like okay man so i'll be there you know i was 15 16 whatever age i was you know not used to wake up early to do things and i got there a little bit late and he was already working out doing his plus push-ups and you know, sweaty already moving 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 and i sat down hey master good morning didn't answer to me <laughs> hey master he's like just have a seat there and then he finished whatever he was doing. I think it was a pull-up uh, series. And he goes to me, so you were about 10, 15 minutes late. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry, because my bike. I said, don't find excuses. You'll be here on time. So what do I do? I said, I don't know. You tell me. You do whatever you like, because you lost. My time was, my, my appointment with you was 15 minutes ago. And I'm like, oh, crap. And then whatever. And then we finish whatever. He finished his thing. I did whatever I thought in my head. And that for the first week, I could never get there on time, you know, because I was kind of leave, kind of he leave closer to it. So I get my bike, I get there, hold my gi, you know. Uh, and then the first day I got on time, I think it was on a Friday, and he's like, "Okay, you ready to go?" I'm like, "Yes, sir." And he goes, "Boom, do this, do this, do this, do this," you know. And but the the very first four four days, I was just sitting there looking at him working out and trying to copy what he's doing, but not knowing it much because I never done it before. So you know. And not, I carry this in my life nowadays. Sometimes my wife said, like, man, you, you're so, uh, you know, like, crazy with this time thing. I said, we have an appointment at 2 o'clock. You might be there, like, 1.30, 1.40. Just sit down wait. Might something happen early, and we have a chance to go in early or whatever. So, you know, so I, I'm, um, I think those are the, you know, advice that, I mean, among a, bottle, a lot of other ones that he gave to me. But I think those two, are, you know, like always a couple early, always be on time with your classes, your, you know, whatever you do. People do appreciate that. And we, we have a lot of people in America that say, oh, Brazilian time, Brazilian time, <laughs> right? Like we, a lot of people say that. I mean, I don't know what the Brazilian time is because I guess, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm not used to it. I'm, I'm there before, you know, so. Yeah, you, you're used to that when you're 15. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So uh, what advice would you give to your younger self when you came to the U.S. in 2006? Not that you want anything different, of course, yeah. but if after all these years, if you could go back and tell me one little thing to watch out for, what that would be? For sure, 100% for sure. That would be my, if I could do that. And again, that that any of your listeners will relate to this. And I think that's a very good advice for anyone in life in general. Um, have everything in writing, whatever you do. Uh, have a good attorney. Always revise anything that you sign. Before you sign, always revise. If it's something that you're not 100% sure what you're doing, and if you're not comfortable with, a, you know, exclamation mark somewhere or something, have an attorney revise. And, uh, also have a good accountant you know i think those are very important advice for for uh business owners in general but people that wanted to to open up businesses and anywhere in the world i guess you know i, re I remember like young like 
always hear from my family, friends. I'm like, oh, my attorney this, my attorney this, my accountant this. I'm like, why these people need so many attorneys and accountants, right? I was so young. I mean, I couldn't relate to it, I guess. My life was just easy. Go to school, go to college, go train and sleep and do it again. Uh, now, I mean, I see the benefit of those two professionals. I mean, a great attorney, it's a very important tool on anybody's life. You know, if you don't have one, go ahead, find one right now because you're going to need sooner or later. An accountant too. I know a lot of people that do their own tax returns and everything, which is great if you know how to do it. I don't. And I know a lot of people that got in trouble because they did their own and they could have saved money somehow. They could do things different. And that's why you have professions that go to in to college to learn that so if you find a good find a good accountant is also very important on your pers uh, personal level and of course on your on your business as on a business level as well so that would definitely be my advice to myself back in the time you know like be more specific those those things mm -hmm. and i don't know if you have the habit of maybe reading or listening to your audiobooks or podcasts and so forth and if you do, do you have the habit of? Ah, man, I'm not a big reader in general. Uh, I remember in college for saying, you know, like I was always the, the the guy in a group that was select. So people would do, that was selected in a group to, to go in the front of the room and explain to the students and the teachers what we study, what we're doing. So in a sense, I had to study, of course, a couple of days to be able to present the, the project to the, to the teachers and everything, to, the, to my, my friends in my classroom and everything. Um, but I was always a speaker, always going from never, you know, shy or anything, speaking public, no problem. Um, I read, not a lot, especially nowadays with the, we just opened, we recently opened our second location here, close to home. We've been very, 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 very busy with that, you know, trying to keep everything in a line with our business plan. Uh, so I have a little book uh, that a student of mine in Florida gave to me a long time ago. He said, hey, Professor, that's a quick read for you when you go on a plane or something. That I really like that book. It's called Zen in the Martial Arts. It's a very small book. I read that. But being a small book, he also has a lot of quotes in there. So sometimes I just open that book and – just read a quote and uh, go to my day with that quote in mind and try to apply somehow. So I, 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 um, I highlighted one over here to read for you guys uh, today that uh, I read this morning before uh, I taught my class. It's from Bruce Lee, actually. Uh, it says, you and your opponent are one. There's a coexisting relationship between you. You coexist with your opponent and become his complement absorbing his attack and using his force to overcome him that truly relates to jiu-jitsu right <laughs> it's what we do you know like understand your opponents you know like know what they're doing kind of study the game and kind of try to be ahead of it you know that's uh so i've been doing reading uh, quotes like this and uh and go into my day with those with that quote in mind and move on yeah, his name is Joe Hyams. Yeah, Joe Hyams. Yeah, Hyams. Yeah. So I'll yep. put, I'll put. Yeah, I read this a while back. It was pretty cool. It was pretty yeah, it's a, it's a again, it's a, it's a small little book, and then you know when you don't have that much time, I just open up. They have a lot of quotes in there from a lot of different people in martial arts. So I just open up one of them, read, and go to my day. 
So we're getting close to the end of the interview. I know that it probably have some new listeners. Hopefully you have some new people, especially people who appreciate your work and have been following your work for a while. So just to let you know that you're listening for the first time, usually what I do after the interview, I reflect on what we said and create an audio from five to 12 minutes with the intention of inspiring, impacting, improving your life in some way. And don't know exactly what is, you know, usually at the end when I add it, that's when I think about it. And then I create a content. So make sure that you stick around for that. And so what are you currently excited about? What's going on? I guess excited about the new school. So you can tell us more about it. Yeah. Um, uh, as I said, you know, like we're excited about our new school. We just opened like it's coming up to our fourth month right now. And again, under just our name, no flags, no franchising thing, and it's doing really well. It's inside our neighborhoods, like literally not even two miles from my house. Um, it's where my kids go to school, so a lot of people know us in the community here. So we've been here for almost eight years now. Um, so we're very excited with that, you know. And um, we're also excited about with our partnership with GF Team what that going to bring to us, you know, and uh, in business relations and everything. And also very excited with our 2020 tournament season. This is starting February now. So it's going it's, to, that's pretty much what we, we've been thinking and planning ahead with, um, with that in mind, you know, the gym, the GF team partnership and the 2020 tournament season. And, uh, you know, just being very busy with that, you know, so it's kind of a, what uh, we've been thinking. Um, to finalize, Gustavo, I would like to go over a couple, couple of things you mentioned in the beginning. You know, um, a lot of people will relate to this, especially, of course, Brazilian guys that come here to work. And uh, a lot of your listeners, they're Americans that train, you know, jiu-jitsu. They probably heard that from their instructors here and there or not. But, uh, um Everything for us is difficult, right? When we move, like you said, it's cultural. Like in Brazil, we don't have that culture like Americans have, like moving states. Like it's very common, like you go to a college in a different state, then you go work somewhere. And then a couple years later, you, you get a, a, a job promotion, you go somewhere else. It's very common here. In Brazil, we don't have that. So you're born in Rio, you're going to do your college in Rio, you're going to work in Rio, you're going to train in Rio. Most likely you're going to be in the same neighborhood forever. If you you know, like, I don't know, on your circle friendship, I can remember maybe a handful of guys that I, if I have to go back and think a lot, that move, you know, and then when they move, they don't move that far. They go to Sao Paulo because it's a, a more business, you know. Anyway, so um, when we move here, I think it's, it's a lot of things to consider and a lot of people don't understand and they, they, they don't see the struggle. And I'm not playing victim right here by any means. I'm just throwing the information out there. And I think a lot of people don't know this or maybe know they kind of, you know, so I'm very grateful. Now they, uh, we, we've been here since 2016. Um, we are American citizens now, all of us. And uh, we've been, I think we got, we became citizens five years ago, something like that. Um, right there, it's a big process already, right? With the immigration, the money you have to invest. I mean, it's a big headache to come, you know, to 
move countries and then follow the law. Make sure you, you follow the guidelines, everything. And again, go back to what we, I just said about attorneys. Find a good attorney that's reliable, that can really help you through that process. You know, um, understand the system, the American system, which for us, it's totally different. Everything is different, you know. Um, you know, there is some racist. Yes, there is some racism. Like when you first move in, your English is not as good. You, you know, I don't know if on a personal level for you or maybe for other people that are listening to us, but for us, we had some episodes that, you know, that made us very uncomfortable because people are like, can you, can you say it again? Can you say it again? And then we're, you know, but people, dif- different states in U.S. are very different as well with that. The culture, as I said, the lifestyle that we have here compared to what we have in Brazil is totally different. You know, I can, here in Nashville, Tennessee, is nothing I can do without a car. Nothing. I can do anything. Like, there are places like that in Brazil as well, but like where I came from, where you came from, from Rio, I mean, I didn't need a car. I got a bus, I got a subway. It's more like a lifestyle like New York, per se. You know, I walk to the gym, I walk to my school, you know. And everything is it's, um, not having your family around. It's a big part. People say, ah, but you got older, you get over this. I mean, yeah, but I mean, I want to go to a date with my wife. Who's going to take care of my kids? Oh, you you got babysitters. Yeah, but in Brazil, I have my mom. I had, uh, She has a mom, her dad. My, I mean, you have everybody around. You get a phone, make a phone call. Five minutes later, my mom will be at my house taking care of my kids, you know. Uh, beginning, everything is difficult. And uh, for sure, we're going to go through hard times in the beginning. You're going to do things that you possibly thought that you never would. And, um, you know, it's just part of the process, man. It's just like, you know, believe, I guess. It's, you know, like like like, like you said, in animation too, it's a process. The beginning is not going to be easy. You know, but, you know, it's for sure fulfilling when you get a point in your life that you you look back and you're like, man, it's amazing to see where I am right now. Go back 12 years and 13 years, I guess. And when I first came here, you know, it's a lot of stories to be told and a lot of things that happen. And, you know, it, you know, it'd be grateful. You know, I, I think one of the things that I learned in life a lot is be grateful for, for, for everything you have, you know, like for people in your life, for your instructors, for your friends, for your family, because, you know, life goes on fast, man. Life goes on fast, you know? And, and, uh, and I think that's also a good summarize for that you can apply to business as well, you know, but I mean, you know, it's very difficult when we first move here, things go, we change. But uh, it's not easy, you know. So yeah. I think I'll finish with that, I guess. <clears throat> and something that we always say here and um, everyone talks about too is if living your dream was easy, everyone would do it. Everyone would do it. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Uh, it's not that simple. There's, you know, the, the process is long. And sometimes people get frustrated that they want, you know, the kind of the immediate kind of gratification in a way that is just one. I want to do it now and I want tomorrow. And it's not always like that. So there is a price to pay. And but it's worth it to live the fulfilling life that you want. And as you mentioned, life goes fast. And the last thing, man, that I want and I know that you the same and I hope 
you, the listener, think about this. The last thing I want is when I'm about to die saying, I wish I had done this. I wish I had done that. I wish I had, yep. I wish I had lived the life that, you know, I wanted, not the life that others expected of me. So this is uh, very, uh, very deep, but it's very true, man. So you want to make sure to look back and like, what a ride. You know what I mean? Yep. I did the best I could with what I knew pursue what i wanted i got some things right i got a bunch of things wrong but um but i did it so man thank you so much for your time Marcelo. and how people can if they're visiting your area maybe um your website the best way to reach out to you um our website is www.rmajujitsu.com our phone number is 615 8192124 and yeah just give us a call we have classes every day kids and adults only jiu jitsu though so <laughs> at all all righty thank you so much for your time and for all the listeners stick around for my final thoughts us us thank you let me share with you my final thoughts from the interview with the fourth degree black belt marcelo ribeiro If you're listening just to the final thoughts on Instagram TV at Gustavo Dantas BJJ, Marcelo is the owner of RMA Jiu-Jitsu Academy with two locations in Nolensville, Tennessee. He talked about the importance of consistency in everything you do. He also shared about taking risks. And my takeaway from the interview came when he said, any change is challenging, which inspired me to title this episode, If It Doesn't Challenge You, It Won't Change You. Marcelo left Brazil to pursue his dream of having his own academy back in 2006. As I mentioned during the interview, oftentimes it's tough to move out of the state that you live most of your life to go to another state. It can be uncomfortable and challenging to change. Now, moving to another country, that's an entirely different ballgame. If you take a moment to think about some of the biggest changes that you have ever made in your life, most likely they were challenging. I have mentioned my favorite quote to you many times in different episodes, which is, if you're looking for a big opportunity, accept a big challenge. With that said, your change probably generated a big opportunity for your personal growth. Now, if you grew or not from this challenge, that's up to you. Recently, I started to make some changes with the final thoughts. I decided to share with you the audios of speakers that I admire who are also looking to inspire, impact, and improve the lives of others. And today, I'm going to introduce you to the late Jim Rohn. If you're not familiar with Jim Rohn, he's considered one of the trailblazers of the personal development movement. Here's a quick description from his website. Quote, Jim Rohn focused on the fundamentals of human behavior that most affect personal and business performance. He is the standard to which those who seek to teach and inspire others are compared. He possessed the unique ability to bring extraordinary insights to ordinary principles and events, and the combination of his substance and style still captures the imagination of those who hear or read his words, unquote. Jim Rohn shared his message with more than 6,000 audience and over 5 million people all over the world. He has mentored incredible speakers such as Tony Robbins, Jack Canfield, Brian Tracy, and many others. I'm going to post a YouTube link of one of his most popular personal development seminars called How to Take Charge of Your Life. It's two hours long and you probably won't be able to watch all at once, but I highly recommend you watch this classic from the early 80s. At different moments, he talked about change, 
So I decided to share with you a nine-minute clip of Jim Rome sharing his wisdom. His content has made a big impact on my life, and I believe it can make an impact in yours as well. Check it out. You can have more than you've got because you can become more than you are. And of course, the other side of the coin reads, unless you change how you are, you'll always have what you got. Success is something you attract, not something you pursue. Success is looking for a good place to stay. So instead of going after it, you work on yourself, personal development. See, the major question to ask on the job is not what are you getting? The major question to ask on the job is what are you becoming? See, the big question is not what am I getting paid here? The big question is what am I becoming here? Because true happiness is not contained in what you get. Happiness is contained in what you become. Learn to work harder on yourself than you do on your job. For things to change for you, you've got to change. Otherwise, it isn't going to change. The only way it gets better for you is when you get better. Life and business is like the changing seasons. One of the best ways to describe life, it's like the seasons. You can't change the seasons, but you can change yourself. And see, that's how life gets better for you, not by chance, but by change. Learn how to handle the winters. They come right after falls with regularity. Some are long and some are short and some are hard and some are easy, but they keep coming. You must learn to handle the nights. They come right after days. You must learn to handle difficulty. It comes right after opportunity. You must learn to handle recessions. They always follow progressions for the last 6,000. See, it isn't going to change. The lesson you must learn is how to handle it. And there's all kinds of winters, right? The winter when you can't figure it out. The winter when it all goes smash. The winter when it turns belly up. The winter when it won't work, when you've run out of money and you've got a broken heart. See, those are winter times. There's all kinds. Economic winters, social winters, personal winters. When your heart is smashed in a thousand pieces and the nights are unusually long, your prayers seem to go no higher than your head. It's winter time. But see, the disappointments come. Those are normal. That's part of life. But the question is, how do you handle it? How do you handle the coming winters and the disappointments and the downtimes? Well, you can't get rid of January by tearing it off the calendar. But here's what you can do. You can get stronger, you can get wiser, and you can get better. The winters won't change, but you can. And that's how life changes for you. Don't wish it was easier, wish you were better. Don't wish for less problems, wish for more skills. Don't wish for less challenge, wish for more wisdom. That's the key. Learn how to take advantage of the spring. 
Spring is called opportunity. And spring follows winter. What a great place for it. If you were going to put it somewhere, that'd be the place to put it, right after winter. And pray tell, how often does spring follow winter? Every year with regularity, 6,000. You can almost count on it. <coughs> See, opportunity always comes. Days follow nights. Isn't that terrific? Opportunity follows difficulty. But here's what you must learn to do. Take advantage. You must learn to take advantage of the spring. See, just because spring rolls around is no sign you're going to look good come fall. You got to do something with it. In fact, you have to get good at one of two things in life. Planting in the spring or begging in the fall. Or get somebody to do it for you. See, those are about the only alternatives. Now here's what else you must do. Take advantage of the springs quickly because there's only a few. Just a handful of springs have been handed to each of us. They don't come forever. Life is fairly brief. So you got to read every book you can get your hands on on what to do with your springs while they're here. And take advantage, they soon run out. So whatever you're gonna do with your life, you got to get at it. Don't just let the springs pass, pass, pass. Learn how to protect your crops all summer. You gotta take care of what you start. Sure enough, as soon as you've planted your garden in the spring, the busy bugs and the noxious weeds are out to take it. And here's the next bit of truth. They will take it unless you prevent it. And that's the third major skill to learn. You've got to learn to prevent the intruder from taking all the good you start. It's one of the challenges. All good will be attacked on this planet. Maybe not the next one we get to, but on this one, all good will be attacked. Every garden will be invaded. Not to think so is naive. All values must be defended. Political values, social values, community values, family values, marriage values, friendship values, business values. Every garden must be tended all summer. Learn how to reap in the fall without complaint. Learn to reap come harvest time without complaint. Take full responsibility for what happens to you. It's one of the highest forms of human maturity, accepting full responsibility. It's the day you know you've passed from childhood to adulthood, the day you accept full responsibility. Learn to reap in the fall without apology. Without apology if you do well and without complaint if you don't. That's maturity. It's not what happens, it's what you do. What happens is about the same. You might put that in parentheses here. Same. What people do, that's what's different. Anything can happen, right? Everything can happen. I've heard all the stories. I've been one of the stories. Hey, we could all tell stories all night long, right? Happenings. Anything can happen. Everything can happen. Anything can happen. But it's not the happenings. It's what you do about it. Somebody says, yeah, but you don't understand the disappointments I've had. Come on. Everybody's had their share. 
Disappointments are not special gifts reserved for the poor. Everybody has them. The difference is what you do about it. Starting tomorrow, what are you going to do that'll make a change in your life's direction? Good question. What are you going to do starting tomorrow that'll make a difference? Now see, if you don't do something starting tomorrow that'll make a difference, guess what? It's gonna be the same. And see, that way you can guess what the next five years are gonna be like. Look at the last five. Because the next five are gonna be like the last five, unless you, major key, tomorrow, change it all. Or change a little, or change something, or don't change. It's choice time, you can do whatever you want. But it's nice to know any day you wish you can change your whole life. What can you do starting tomorrow that'll make a difference? and reach down inside of you and come up with some more of those remarkable human gifts. They're there waiting to be utilized. And then change anything for you you want to change. And I challenge you to do that because you can change. If you don't like how it is for you, change it. If it doesn't suit you, change it. If it doesn't please you, change it. If it isn't enough, change it. And I challenge you to do that because you can change. See, you don't ever have to be the same again after tonight, only by choice. I hope you enjoyed the audio. I hope you invest two hours of your time watching the full seminar when you have a chance. He started the audio saying, unless you change how you are, you will always have what you got. What is the one thing that you know that needs to be changed, but for whatever reason, fear, anxiety, you're not doing it? If you're looking for a significant change in your life and you're not only interested but committed to become the best version of yourself, it's going to be challenging. If you were easy, everyone would do it. Be brutally honest to yourself. Visualize your changes and take action. I'd like to wrap up with more Jim Rome's wisdom. Quote, We generally change ourselves for one of the two reasons, inspiration or desperation. Your life does not get better by chance. It gets better by change. The worst thing one can do is not to try. To be aware of what one wants and not give in to it. To spend years in silent hurt wondering if something could have materialized never knowing. Unquote. Oh, We're glad you were able to join us for this episode of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. But the lesson doesn't end here. Watch the videos and download the audio of the 10 mental mistakes BJJ competitors make and how to avoid them for free when you subscribe to the BJJMentalCoach.com. Don't miss the chance to find out what might be holding you back from being your best self on and off the mat. That's the BJJMentalCoach.com.